You're listening to independent, community-supported radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, May 11th. I'm Claudio Mendonça, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Here's what's in store in the next half hour. Are cryptocurrency campaign donations in California's future? That's what the state's Fair Political Practices Commission will consider next week. The California Report has more on that. Felton Pruitt talks with Mindy Oburn about the upcoming California CareForce Free Healthcare Clinic. Al Stoller talks cosmic clockwork. And we close with a commentary from Shivati Karki Pearl. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. An investigation by the office of Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa has found that it's, quote, extremely unlikely that Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti was unaware of a top aide's alleged inappropriate behavior. Grassley opened the investigation after whistleblowers approached his office with accusations against Garcetti's former aide, Rick Jacobs, who's been accused of sexually harassing multiple people. The investigation was part of the confirmation process process for Mayor Garcetti, who's been nominated by the Biden administration to serve as U.S. ambassador to India. In a statement, Garcetti said that while he doesn't agree with the findings, he's pleased the hold on his nomination has been lifted. U.S. Senator Alex Padilla will appear on California's June primary ballot twice in separate but related contests. CAP Radio's Chris Nichols explains. Padilla is running in one contest to finish former U.S. Senator Kamala Harris's term, which ends in January. But he's also competing for a new six-year term, which would start right after. Padilla was appointed early last year by Governor Gavin Newsom to fill Harris's seat when she was sworn in as vice president. But the appointment could have faced legal opposition, according to Wesley Hussey, a political science professor at Sacramento State. Courts have said, you know, if you're going to have an election, you can't just have a person occupy the seat forever. There has to be a chance for voters to approve or not approve them. To avoid that, Newsom signed a law that requires voters to decide whether an appointed U.S. senator should serve out the remainder of a term. Kim Alexander of the California Voter Foundation says Padilla's double billing could cause confusion. I think everybody involved in voter education is going to have to make an extra effort to make sure that voters understand that this is happening and that this isn't a mistake. The top two vote getters in each Senate contest will move forward to the general election, meaning voters will be asked to decide on these races again in November. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. California's Fair Political Practices Commission could soon open the door for campaigns to accept cryptocurrency donations. KQD's Aditi Bondlamudi has more. California is one of nine states that bars campaign contributions in crypto because they're so hard to regulate and trace. But in recent years, tens of thousands of cryptocurrencies have rolled out. And FPPC spokesman Jay Warenga says our state doesn't want to fall behind. We, as a commissioner, are always trying to keep up with changing political activity trends. Next week, the Fair Political Practices Commission will consider a number of recommendations from staff, among them treating crypto like cash. In fact, requiring that it be converted into cash before being deposited into a campaign bank account. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. 
The U.S. Senate is expected to vote on a bill today that would preserve access to abortions nationwide. Although it's expected to fail, the vote comes as the Supreme Court could overturn Roe v. Wade in the coming months, as was suggested in a leaked draft opinion last week. That leak has led many lawmakers to come forward with their own abortion stories. One of the latest is Bay Area Assemblywoman Mia Bonta, who says she had an abortion at the age of 21 as she was finishing her degree at Yale University. I chose to own my body. I chose to make a decision that would allow me to recognize ending the cycle of poverty in my family. Assemblymember Bonta says she wanted to use her education to help provide some financial stability for her family, and that weighed heavily on her decision. Equality isn't perceived equally. According to a new study from UC Berkeley, historically privileged groups can see opening up pathways of opportunities for some less privileged people as harming their own access to resources. KCRW's Matt Gillum explains. This study, titled If You Rise, I Fall, comes from the Haas School of Business. It found many think of the world in zero-sum terms, even if that's not reality. The researchers did multiple experiments, including one centered on the failed 2020 ballot initiative in California that would have reinstated affirmative action policies. They found a majority of Asian and white participants, many of whom identified as politically liberal, perceived the measure as harmful to their access to resources, in this case college admission or public employment. Among the so-called in-group, the scientists say belief that the initiative would harm them was a stronger predictor of how people would vote than their political party or any other ideological variable. The research shows that even equality can be perceived as zero-sum, and the authors say that could have real-world implications in crafting policies meant to reduce disparities. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gillum. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just health care system. On the web at chcf.org slash health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. The opulent Hearst Castle atop a commanding hilltop on California's central coast draws in about 750,000 visitors a year, or at least it used to. You see, the popular tourist destination now operated by California State Parks has been closed for more than two years because of the pandemic. But as KCBX's Benjamin Perper reports from San Simeon, the castle is finally reopening today. Please stay seated at all times. It's a winding road on the bus ride up to the castle. A recording of the late Jeopardy host Alex Trebek describes some of the quirky remnants of William Randolph Hearst's former estate. We will also pass the animal enclosures used in Mr. Hearst's time for the polar bears. They were given ice. The road I'm traveling on was recently re-engineered and rebuilt after a winter storm in 2021 damaged it. That extended the castle's closure, which began in March 2020. At the top of the hill, tour guides show me the iconic outdoor Neptune pool, which has spouting fountains and is framed by marble columns. Guide Sharon Foltz says the reopening means the long and complex history of the estate, which took nearly three decades to bring to life, is now back on display. People say, it took 28 years, and I say, the more you know about this place, 28 years was nothing. Museum director Cara O'Brien said after 26 months of closure, the staff's energy is high, and everyone, including her, is really excited. Yeah, it's just been way too long. We're so 
so ready. We've been ready for a long time. <laughs> yeah. O'Brien says tours are back in full swing, and while today will be a celebration, it's more of a soft launch than a grand reopening. She expects Memorial Day weekend will likely see attendance at the castle restored to its former glory. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper at Hearst Castle. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, May 11th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Taking a look at the regional weather forecast in Grass Valley and Nevada City. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 39. Thursday will be partly sunny with a high near 62. Thursday night will bring mostly clear skies with a low around 42. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 22 degrees. Thursday in Truckee, Tahoe, expect partly sunny skies with a high near 49. On Thursday evening, it'll be clear with a low around 27 degrees. And in the valley, Sacramento and the surrounding region, tonight mostly clear skies with a low around 45. On Thursday, plenty of sunshine with a high near 74. Thursday night will be clear with a low around 48 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. This coming July 15th through the 17th, the California Care Force, in partnership with Nevada County Community Host, will bring a free health care clinic to the Nevada Union campus. The no-cost clinic brings optical, dental, and medical services on a first-come, first-served basis as capacity allows. Felton Pruitt spoke recently to Mindy Oburn, community host co-lead about the event and about an upcoming fundraiser at Wild Eye Pub. We're talking with Mindy Oburn. She is the community host co-lead for California Care Force. They're bringing a free health care clinic to Nevada Union High School July 15th through the 17th. They've also got a benefit happening at the Wild Eyed Pub this Thursday, and they have some other needs. So, uh, Mindy, why don't you tell us all about California Care Force and this wonderful health care free clinic coming? Well, California Care Force is a 501c3 based in Roseville. What they do, they've been doing this since 2011, is they put on mobile free clinics throughout California. And the important thing about these clinics is it's not just medical. In fact, the most important part of the clinic is dental and vision care. Because even if you have insurance or like for myself, I'm on Medicare, vision and dental care is not covered. And those things are very expensive and they're very important. So people can come and get free eye care and dental care at the clinic. That is correct. Um, We set up about... 50, 60 dental chairs, complete with water and suction, just like in a regular dentist's office. And they do fillings, extractions, cleanings, and you get uh, x-rays done too. And then in vision care, you get a complete eye exam and you get a prescription that you get to keep. Plus you get to pick out your own brand new eyeglass frames and we can grind up to 200 and 50 pairs of glasses each day. So you walk out with a brand new pair of glasses. So this is obviously a very intensive event. The event costs money, so you're doing a benefit at the Wild Eye Pub this Thursday. Why don't you tell folks about that? Sure. It's um, from 6 to 9. We will have blues and Latin dance music. 
We're hoping to have it outside um, if the weather permits. Otherwise, it will be indoors and uh, come for great food and drink and help out the clinic. So that's at the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley. You can go to wildeyepub.com for more information. So we've got the free clinic happening July 15th through the 17th, the benefit this Thursday. But the most important aspect of all of this is getting the healthcare professionals that you need to participate in this. Why don't you speak to that? Yeah, you know, um, we can only serve as many people as we get healthcare professionals to um, participate. And so it's really important that dentists and their whole staff come in and volunteer, uh, eye doctors and their staff too. We need them to volunteer. And the thing that we're asking um, everybody to do is to contact their their dentist and contact their eye doctor and let them know about this event and tell them to go on CaliforniaCareForce.org to create a profile to get into their system so that they can register for uh, volunteering for our clinic. That's extremely important because we can only serve as many people as we have healthcare professionals to do the work. I've been doing interviews with you folks for, gosh, almost 10 years now, California Care Force, and this is just an amazing event and such a vital, important thing for our community. So we really wanted everybody to know about the, first off, the free health care services. This is all going to happen at Nevada Union High School. So when they show up on July 15th through 17th, what do they need to bring to the event? Well, they need to bring uh, proof of vaccination and booster. If they don't have that, then they need a, a proof of negative testing, no more than 24 hours old. And if you uh, don't have that, then they will actually test you at the door. Then, of course, once you're inside the clinic, everyone wears an N95 mask. And do you need to bring like health insurance cards? or? No, there's no requirement because even if you have health insurance, you don't have dental and vision care. So, no, everyone is welcome. And if you have need for what we offer, then you are welcome to come and you will get served free. It's all great. That's happening July 15th through the 17th at Nevada Union High School. And then there's the benefit happening this Thursday at the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley from 6 to 9 with great music. And uh, give them the website for more information one more time. Yes, it's CaliforniaCareForce.org. We've been talking with Mindy Oburn. She is the community host co-lead for California Care Force, bringing their event here July 15th through the 17th. Thanks so much for all the stuff you guys do. It's just a wonderful community service. Well, thank you, too, for letting us be on air and getting the word out. Science correspondent Al Stoller says that the universe has been described as cosmic clockwork. That reliable timing is why you can expect Sunday's full moon to glow with an eerie red light. Al Stoller explains why and how. When the full moon rises, it is bright. Well, normally it's bright. This Sunday night, the full moon will rise dark, and soon after, it will turn red. The full moon is normally lit by the direct rays of the sun, which make it so bright. But next Sunday's full moon will not be lit directly by the sun. Next Sunday night, the moon will slide into Earth's shadow, and no sunlight will hit the moon directly. By rights, we should not see the moon at all, but we will see the moon dark and red. If we were standing on the moon with the moon in Earth's shadow, 
you would not see the earth, except for the very edge of the earth. A ring of red light would glow all around the earth, coming from every sunrise and every sunset around the planet. Rising or setting, the sun looks red. It's that red light coming from all the sunrises and sunsets around the world that will spread into Earth's shadow, hitting the moon Sunday night, turning the eclipsed moon red. Next Sunday night, the almost fully eclipsed moon will rise around 8 p.m. You'll need a really good view to the east to see the moon rise. Hereabouts, the moon won't clear the hills and trees until somewhat later, when the eclipse is total. And even then, we'll need a good view to the east to see it. The total phase of the eclipse ends just before 10 p.m., when the moon begins moving out of Earth's shadow. Just before 11 p.m., full moon will again be fully lit and bright. Local astronomers invite the public to join us Sunday night at 8 p.m., not at our usual site, but at the overlook on the road down to the town of Washington. My thanks to Paul Bacon for scoping out a spot that has both a view to the east and lots of parking. To get there, head up State Route 20, 13 miles, and hang a left on the Washington Road. The overlook is not quite two miles down the Washington Road. The gathering is free. Bring a sweater. Again, the eclipsed moon will rise Sunday night about 8 p.m., but we won't see it until it rises above the hills, above the trees. The better the view to the east, the better our chances of seeing the eclipse. Happy viewing! For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. Shivati Karki Pearl is the public sector manager for waste management here in Nevada County. In tonight's commentary, she sorts truth from myth about recycling. Hello, I'm here to talk about the recycling myths that we often encounter in our community. Recycling used to be simple, or at least it seemed to be the case. If a material had a recycling symbol on it, you threw it in the cart. Unfortunately, the chasing arrows can no longer be used as a barometer in deciding if something is recyclable or not. It's complicated. Advancements in the development of different plastic materials, restrictions on what type of materials processors are now accepting, and wishful marketing have made recycling more difficult. And the chasing arrows an almost useless tool in deciding if something is recyclable or not. The good news is that on October 5th, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed Senate Bill Number 343 into law, restricting the use of the Chasing Arrows recycling symbols only to products that meet new statewide recycling criteria. The measure prohibits the use of Chasing Arrows symbol on products that are not truly recyclable. SB 343 includes a process for the producers of materials that do not yet meet the criteria to submit a plan to CalRecycle that demonstrates a commitment to increasing the collection, sorting, and recycling of their materials. If CalRecycle approves the plan, the producers may continue to encourage consumers to put their material in the blue bins. Product labeling must be updated to comply with California's new law, on or before January 2024. Until then, those arrows are just one of the many myths about recycling that circulate in communities throughout the country. 
I hope to dispel some more of those myths today. Myth number one: Materials I place in the recycling cart are not being recycled. Fact: If recycling materials are not contaminated, they are shipped to WM Sacramento Recycling and Transfer Station, where they are processed, packaged, and shipped to processors throughout North America. Myth number two. It doesn't matter what I place in the recycling cart; it all gets sorted anyway. Fact: The recycling cart isn't a magic elixir that can save the world from waste. Not every item you place in your cart can be recycled, and in fact, some materials could prevent otherwise recyclable items from being given a second life. If materials are contaminated with food or liquid, they can no longer be recycled. For example, paper that is drenched by water left in a plastic bag, or cheese and sauce that is stuck in your pizza box. Similarly, certain items like plastic bags or plastic film cannot be processed in machinery used by curbside collection companies like WM. The bags and film tangle in the sorting machinery, causing delays and raising costs for everyone. And these bags and film are easily recyclable in your local grocery stores. Making sure that you place the correct materials in the correct cart will ensure recyclable materials are processed efficiently and can be sent to a processor to complete the circle. Myth number three: When in doubt, throw it out. Fact: While this is an easy phrase to remember. And will prevent the contamination of recyclable materials. It is not a universal rule. There are some items that cannot be placed in the trash. These items are called household hazardous waste and include materials such as batteries, light bulbs, paints, pesticides, herbicides, propane tanks, and electronic equipment. Household hazardous waste must be disposed at an authorized location, like the McCourtney Road transfer station. Myth number four. WM is making it harder by having three carts instead of just one, like some neighboring communities. Fact: Using three carts to separate trash, recyclables, and yard debris is better for the environment and has proven to be more beneficial in terms of making sure that recyclable and organic materials can be repurposed. When using a one-cart system. Countless recyclable objects are contaminated and cannot be resold to manufacturers to be repurposed or make other items. It's similar to the reason why contaminated recycling carts can ruin a load of recyclables. Having a one-cart system to collect all materials ruins otherwise recyclable materials. Likewise, yard debris can easily be contaminated by trash, making that material unsuitable for producing landscape materials. Source separation has proved to be the best method to ensure recycling and yard debris can be repurposed. So these are just some of the myths that we hear in the community and beyond. If you have any other questions, please visit wm.com forward slash recycle right or nevadacounty.wm.com. Thank you, and remember the three R's: reduce, reuse, and recycle. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's our newscast for tonight. KVMR gets support from Booktown Books, an independent cooperative bookstore since 1998. 
featuring nine independent vendors offering used, rare, and collector's items, including music, DVDs, vinyl, and art. Open daily on Bank Street, Grass Valley. Booktownbooks.com and the Miners Foundry, presenting the 11th annual Nevada City Spring Craft Fair on Sunday, May 15th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., featuring over 50 local artisans and crafters with art, handmade decor, apparel, and gifts. Information at minersfoundry.org. A quick reminder, you can listen to this newscast again on our website, kvmr.org, and while you're there, consider donating securely online. It's safe, fast, and painless, and keeps us on the air. Thanks very much again for listening. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you right here tomorrow for the KVMR Evening News.